Well, good evening, everybody, well, or good morning, depending on when you're watching this. Welcome back to Hoops HD. This is our Hoops HD Report Sweet 16 edition. Yes. I'm your host up here, Chad Sherwood, joined on my side here by Joby Fortson, down below by John Titel, and irrelevant in the corner across me is well, David Hey, I'm, I'm the only one with a perfect bracket, so I don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, well, when you enter 1.4 quintillion brackets into the challenge, one of them is going to be perfect, right? I think right, that's yeah, I, I can't find the perfect one that I filled out, but I know that I did. <laughs> uh, we have had a hell of a first week of the NCAA tournament, to say the least, including uh, they said that that the total C numbers of the 16 teams remaining is an all-time record highest total. So um, I think we're one or two upsets away from setting all-time records for upsets in tournaments. It has been insane i guess to say the least <laughs> yeah now chad i learned something i didn't realize that they actually had a a certain standard for an upset it's five seed lines that, that's one standard i mean yeah. there's this you know there's also the any seed line standard or anything we've seen conferences that are very strange we have as many pac 12 teams left as acc big 10 and big 12 teams combined uh this yeah. is insanity we have the big 12 that started out six and oh and I was only won one game since then. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. started with that athlete chrysalis. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up the bracket here on the screen. And we're just going to kind of go through each bracket here that, that has been played out so far. Um, go through the game, take a look at the games that were played. Take a look at up, even give picks here for the upcoming games here in the Sweet 16. And even a updated Final Four, I guess, will go here at the end of the show even. But let's start in the West region because it's the one on the screen there. Uh, which began, well, I guess it technically it began with a real good game between Norfolk State beating Appalachian State and, and a one-point win by Drake over Wichita State in the first four. And I think that was the opening signs of what this tournament was going to be like. Those Absolutely. Those two games. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a great first four, actually, David. Yeah, it really was. And the first four, I've always had issues with it. Now, to be fair, it has gotten some teams into the tournament that – I was glad to be in, but it, if you've ever been to the first four in Dayton and compare that to what a normal NCAA tournament experience is like, it's not quite the same. That isn't to say that the University of Dayton and the fans don't embrace it and don't do a really good job, but when the field is announced Sunday evening and then you have 48 hours to get your tickets, get your fans there, uh, and then get, get them from there to yet another city if you win. It's just a hard sell to most fans to go there. So what you end up with is fans in Dayton who come but don't really have an attachment or in a lot of cases even a real knowledge of either team. And on top of that, a lot of the brackets, if you're in a jackpot, it's set up like what we're seeing on the screen. The first four doesn't even count. So it's a really pedestrian crowd. But uh, the and the other thing I don't like is the travel aspect. Like if you've ever had a team that's in it, it sucks to go from your campus to Dayton to another city. It, it, you're just zigzagging around. But this year there were no fans or very few, and it was all in the same city. So most of my issues with the first four did not play out, and we had a fantastic first four. We, we did, and uh, <laughs> well, Tito, let me start with you here. Let's kind of go through each of these little pods here, these fourteen pods. Let's start with the up top there, which had the, I guess we'll say first had that Norfolk State win over App State, uh, but then we saw probably one of the few pods that had real normalcy here. Gonzaga <laughs> rolled over over Norfolk State and then took care of Oklahoma pretty easily as well. Yeah, each win by sixteen plus points. Um, never really in doubt. Um, Oklahoma showed up like. If you can keep Gonzaga under 90, you're actually doing your job. But 
the Zags look as strong as ever, and uh, it's hard to think that anybody will prevent them from reaching the Final Four. It, it really is. And, but, Joby, their next opponent is going to be a Creighton team, and I, I know you don't want to talk about the team that hey. Creighton beat in the second round because uh, after Creighton got the miracle win over Santa Barbara to begin with, and then Ohio upset your Virginia team in the first Yeah, round. I mean, Ohio spin it all. You know, they, had, they were in the 30s deep into the game. Uh, they spent all their chips. You know, there's no excuses. Congrats to the Bobcats for what a great win over the Cavaliers. Um, I think that Creighton, it all, it's probably more interesting to the normal fan to see the Zags when we get to picks roll Creighton than it will be to roll Virginia for a second time. <laughs> so there we go. So we got well, uh, a different. little bit of news here. Uh, let's mention Creighton in their first ever Sweet 16 in the 64 team era yeah. and uh, their first time ever winning multiple tournament games for such a storied program and a program that we're used to seeing in the rankings. Kind of unbelievable that it's been that they, 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 they did something this year. They've never won two tournament games. They, they, they hadn't. And, uh, and, you know, they really they should have lost that first game to Santa Barbara. That was one of the they better games have. of the tournament yeah. so far. And uh, yes. Uh, and let's give a quick shout out to Santa Barbara. Uh, I've been lamenting from the last NCAA tournament how good that New Mexico team, New Mexico State team was that took Auburn to the wall and kind of blew it. And I don't think New Mexico State would have gone to the final four, but I think they would have won one or two more games and people would have realized how good that team was. This was an outstanding Santa Barbara team that had a chance to win that arguably should have won. And they had another winnable game lined up had they won that one. Now, I think it would have not gone any further after that, but I, I really liked this Gauchos team a lot. And, and I kind of hate that they sort of went unnoticed by the non diehards this year. It would have been nice to see the Big West champ take on the West Coast champ, the <laughs> yeah. Pac-12 team in sight. So that means the Pac-12 is bad this year, right? In the West yeah. Coast. Uh, let's, right? let's talk a little Pac-12, actually, Titel. Um, after another really good first first four game when Drake got by Wichita State, uh, USC then absolutely rolled them and then rolled Kansas. Destroyed Kansas, I believe, like the Jayhawks' worst ever tourney loss. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to, if Evan Mobley's going off and getting like a 20-20 game by himself, but it's a total team effort. The defense, as you can see, top-notch. And give Andy Enfield credit. Like, he makes the Sweet 16 with bad teams like FGCU. <laughs> Great teams like USC. I mean, this guy can coach. He really can. And this was this was probably the most impressive game I saw in the second round, uh, the, the, what USC did to Kansas. And given it was the last game of the night, it was the only game on, and you're sitting there just – just kind of somewhere suffering through because you want to watch the end of the games, but yeah. it was so ugly. But uh, David, in the their opponent's going to be Oregon next, who only played one game, and this is probably the saddest story of the first round here. Uh, what happened with VCU? Uh, that the rules were that if you had at least five healthy players, you'd be allowed to play. But the problem with VCU, as I understand it, was they started getting positive tests around positive COVID tests on the team around Wednesday, and they just kept getting more and more new players getting it into Thursday and into Friday. And it just reached a point where, you know, we didn't know if we had people that had COVID that just hadn't tested positive yet because you were getting new infections. Uh, the team had been practicing together for a couple of days. And so the health officials in the county and the NCAA got together and said, listen, we, we just can't run the risk here. We, we've got to shut this team down. And uh, yes. the game was ruled a note contest, Oregon advanced and, and took on Iowa. 
Yeah, and you you really did hate to see that for VCU. And just to be clear, like none of us were at the NCAA tournament or inside the bubble, so we don't have direct knowledge. But I, I think that we can say with, with almost complete certainty that VCU did not violate any of the protocol and that the protocol was stringent. It's just a virus is ubiquitous. You can be as careful as you can possibly be and still get it. And then other people aren't taking any precautions at all and won't get it. But they went through, was it seven days of testing? Nine, was it seven or eight? I think Joey it, it, it was. It was seven because they had played. Yeah. Yes, they, they seven play, days. They had played the yeah. 10 final and on two Sunday. of them had to be PCR. No, yes. two of them had to be the brain yeah. And they got through that. They got through all of that. But I, I, I don't know what somebody in their travel party could have. It, it could have been in a state of like dormancy or an incubation. Mm -hmm. And it just sort, sort of, uh, you, you know, came out once they got there. While players were isolated in their rooms upon arrival, I, I believe you were you, I, were teams restricted to their floor. Was that how it they, worked? They, they were restricted to their floor, but but yeah. you know, because they had passed their first test, they had begun yeah. practicing with each other also. Which, right. Yeah. Which, which caused another layer of concern because it's not like the people that tested positive had been isolated from the rest of the team. And that was one of the issues that came up here also. Yeah. So I, I just want to make it clear that I don't believe VCU did anything wrong or no, did anything outside not. of the program. They did not. They did not. It yeah. was heartbreaking. Yes. Yeah. Now, but, the, yeah. The, I'll give Dana Altman credit, though. He, you know, a lot of coaches in that situation would have said after doing their prep for VCU and finding out that night uh, or that day, oh, okay, well, let, let's rest. Let's take the day. You know, let's use it. He immediately went into prep and practice. And by the end of that night, they were already, and they were fortunate, they already were doing a game plan for Iowa, knowing that Iowa, you know, was going to for surely advance against Grand Canyon, as Oral Roberts proved against Ohio State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, and so give them, they, they took the unfortunate news and they immediately acted upon it. And that, you know, that quick thinking, not saying that's the reason they beat Iowa, but it certainly helped. Well, and, and Titel, look mm -hmm. at that score in the Oregon-Iowa game. 95 points. Oregon is not a high-paced offense. Dana Allman switched up his game plan because he knew, I think he knew that Iowa's defense was suspect and just yeah. ran up the score on them. Isn't that what happened there? A very balanced game, too. It wasn't like one guy going off for 30 like Garza did, ironically. It was a, a group effort. I think four guys in between like 17 and 22 or so. But yes, you're correct to point out that uh, the Ducks are usually not this good, but I give less credit to Oregon's offense and more blame to Iowa's defense. Some of the, I mean, oh, I love Garza. Awful, he is yeah. the player of the year, but it's, it's not all on him, but there were a lot of defensive plays where you're just wondering what the heck's going on. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of, I think I give some credit here to Oregon for knowing that Iowa had defensive problems and saying, we're going to, we're going to go right, go right at it. We're going to game play. We're not just going to play our game. We're going to play, play to their weaknesses. And what you saw in that game, and John's exactly right, is you'd see weird things like they bring the five out, which Oregon doesn't traditionally do. They bring the five out, and you'd see Iowa double a guy who had no chance of nailing a three and just leaving Richardson wide open. And, and, and you know, boom, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really remarkable. And when you combine that with Bohannon having an off day, I mean, we camp a little off day, but they basically – the Oregon game plan on the other end of the court was – we're going to let Garza have his. 
Garza will Garza's going to have hits no matter what we have. He's bigger than all of us. He's going to get second chance points, et cetera. But we are going to do – we're going to be in Wieskamp's face, and they took a chance that Bohannon wouldn't be on his game. He wasn't on his game, and that led to the lopsided score. Had he been on his game, wow, it might have been a barn run, but we will never know. Well, uh, David, we are set up now with the Sweet 16s of Gonzaga, Creighton, and USC, Oregon. I think maybe the only question should be who wins the USC, Oregon game and loses to Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Is that the... Maybe, but if you're if you're if you're pitching this to the fans, you need to point out that uh, you, you know USC beat Kansas by more than Gonzaga did. Uh, <laughs> David, who who are your picks to win these these three? Oh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Okay, uh, Gonzaga. He, both games, and and, and yeah. you, who wins the USC Oregon game in your opinion? This is a tough one because of how well USC played. I know Oregon won the first meeting. I'm going to go with the Trojans just be based on how impressed I was with them in the last game. But I think it's going to be really good. Uh, John, do you agree with that? No, because he's wrong. So USC okay. actually won the what? first meeting, David, just so you're clear, oh. by a yeah. score of 72 to 58. And they were playing without Isaiah Mobley. But yeah. I think even though the Ducks are playing phenomenal, I give the Trojans the edge, but I just think Gonzaga is on a mission and it's too much to overcome. Yeah. Joe, Joe USC. Well, I got the pick right. I just got the fact wrong. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're going Gonzaga over USC then. So, so I was right. Okay. <laughs> I was right. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Joby, why don't I have you start off here? Let's, let's scroll down the screen here a bit down to the East region, which was supposed to be the most chaotic yes. region. It might have been the most sane region. It was the most sane it. region. I mean, you have chalk in three of the four positions <laughs> unheard of, you know. And uh, But, of course, there was – we'll get later in the bracket to why there is a missing chalk fact. Yeah, yeah, well, why don't we start at the top um, here, though? With, with the top, with, Michigan. With Michigan, uh, yeah. without Isaiah Livers. Uh, yes, didn't need Michigan – yeah, hey, they took care of business against the, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah, they did what they're supposed to do against Texas Southern, which won a very dramatic game. Yep. We're talking about all these dramatic games uh, against Mount St. Mary's. It was. Great, great work by Texas Southern to make it. We'll get to the other. Uh, we, we mentioned already they became the second HBCU to get their win. The first time two HBCUs won a game in the NCAA tournament at the same time. Sorry if that's someone else's final thought I took away. But um, LSU, uh, LSU, on the other end, looks. Yeah, they they played solid against the Bonnies. I actually thought LSU was going to. I'm not going to lie. I thought LSU was going to upset Michigan in this, and Michigan. And early on, LSU was hot, without a doubt. But it looked like they were spending their hotness. And once Thomas Thomas, I think, was five for his first six, and then one for his next six. And that when that lull happened, Michigan had stayed close enough. They were not blown out. They had stayed close enough to the point where, okay, uh, let's get it on. And Wagner played well. They could no one could handle Hunter Dix, uh, uh, Hunter Dickerson in inside. And Michigan marched on without Isaiah Livers and looked very solid against a very good LSU team in the process. Right. And David, their next opponent's going to be a Florida State team that uh, was some people thought Greensboro could beat them. They didn't. Uh, and then they and then they went and beat that gave the Pac-12 its only loss of the season after uh, they took care of Colorado uh, after Colorado looked so good uh, with McKinley Wright going off for like 10 million points against Georgetown in the first round. 
Yeah, uh, and this is a Florida State team that that really is on fire right now because this was a good Greensboro team. Uh, if anything, I think Greensboro was capable of being seated better than what they were. I thought they were seated where they belong based on their performance, but it's a team that was certainly pretty good and tough to beat. But what they did against Colorado, uh, and this is a Florida State – I mean <laughs> – they're, they're on the brink of potentially getting to yet another elite eight. Like you don't hear Florida state mentioned with blue bloods, but you know, the first place team in the ACC a year ago would have almost certainly been a one seed. Had we had the NCAA tournament, a recent elite eight, another sweet 16 this year and another possible elite eight. Uh, is this program undervalued by the nation? Another possible lead. Hey, let's talk another possible final four. Uh, right, possible, yeah. a, a possible final four here. Uh, that I mean, they were my final four pick actually out of the Eastern yeah. region last week. I, I like the, I love the way this playing. I mean, Leonard Hamilton, you got to give him credit. And, and what's the sound I heard that he went his first seven years without an NCAA tournament berth at, at Florida State. And yeah, and that, that shows you something for sticking with a coach as opposed to firing him if you have three or four bad years. But. Right. And what's remarkable about that is that Florida State was patient enough to not fire him. And it is paying off. This is I mean, he's a great recruiter. He, he develops players really well. And he is building. You know, I, I don't want to. I, I'm curious to hear Joby's opinion on this, but they're one of the more premier. They're one of the premier programs in the ACC. Of course, they are. I mean, it's nice to see where over the last few years, yes, Duke and Carolina. You know, with Duke and Carolina falling back the last two years, not the last five, because Carolina has two titles in the last five years, <laughs> so they're not necessarily falling off. And Duke has, still is living off some pretty good years as well. Florida State and Virginia have made themselves a gang of four at the top. If yeah. you're going into a generic year, there is an equal chance, uh, equal chance that on a generic year that Virginia or Florida State will win the title, the regular season crown, as there is Duke and Carolina. Plain and simple. I'll tell you what, let's move out to the next pod here. Titel, let me bring you back in. Another, another Pac-12 team into the Sweet 16. UCLA, who survives Michigan State in overtime in the first four, then takes out BYU, and then gets a little bit of help from a little school named Abilene Christian to avoid the toughest second-round game. It seems like every single year, some first-four team makes it to the Sweet 16. And one of these days, I'll actually listen to my own advice, but, like, <laughs> I still can't believe they did it. They've been missing their senior leader, Chris Smith, since he tore his ACL on New mm-hmm. Year's Eve. And we all know Mick Cronin's history – and like, give them all the credit in the world because they've been playing. Mick Cronin doesn't make the Sweet Sixteen. He never makes the Sweet Thanks. Sixteen. That's it my makes point. Sense. And like, yeah. did it under these circumstances, and I, I still don't know how he did it. I still don't know how Texas lost, but like, it happened. Yeah, that. that I, I don't know game. how Texas lost either. Oh, man, uh, like, yeah, I, I still haven't figured that game out. Um, you know, UCLA did what you're supposed to do against Appley Christian, win by 20 points. Yeah. Texas. Yeah. Uh, especially the Big 12 had was six and zero going to that game. That was, I believe, the very last game of the first round. And that was, and and and, and so there, and and they kind of set off a chain reaction with only Baylor winning a game since then. Uh, it was yeah, bad. but and uh, while while UCLA is is probably the story because they're still playing. Like the Evelyn Christian game was a sloppy game, but I think part of that is is credit to Evelyn Christian's defense. And let's give them their 
their hugely earned moment here, a recent transition team. I think this is only their fourth or fifth year since coming off transition, their second NCAA tournament. Second, in a second, second consecutive NCAA tournament, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I guess you're right, because we didn't have one last year, and they wouldn't have gotten in. But they like, made it last year. No, but, yeah. But, but what a – I mean, you want to talk about – one giant leap for a program. Oh man. And congrats to them. They, they've been fun to watch ever since they came and, up and on the way next year to a very interesting new whack, whack conference. Yeah. So that with a lot of Southland teams going over, but Joby UCLA mm-hmm. now gets Alabama. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> look, look, half decent uh, against a couple of teams there. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, Alabama actually. Well, they played, struggled against, against Rick the Pertino. one that I point to is actually the Iona game. that gives you hope almost as much as the, the dismantling of Maryland. To start with, Maryland, surprising. Good job beating a Connecticut team that a lot of people had advanced more than just the for one round. They were looking at – I saw what, what Wally Zerbiak had him as a Final Four pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that that was kind of crazy, but that's not crazy to say that Connecticut was a good team. So give Maryland all the credit they have there. Alabama, then you could say that was lackluster is the best word for against Iona. But here's what Alabama did. They weren't hitting shots. Petty continued to struggle. And what did Alabama do? They turned on the defense like Alabama is capable of, and they grinded out a win. Then they play Maryland. Maryland, Ayala was in particular unstoppable, even with good defense, and you're looking, and Maryland is just shooting lights out. The bank is open. I mean, you're on a three. I mean, it was like, wow, Maryland's just hitting everything, just like I was talking about with the Michigan-LSU game, except the Michigan-LSU game was pretty even. Alabama was up 11 at half, even despite Maryland <laughs> shooting lights out and doing everything right. It was remarkable. And the reason why is because Nate Oates, when his system is not clicking, you win a game like Iona. You can fall back on it, the defense. When it is clicking offensively, they, they are the team, not saying will, but can, they can beat Gonzaga if they're kicking. I don't know if they'll make it to that point, but oh my goodness, Shackelford was unhealed. And by the way, they were without Jones, a SEC player of the year, defensive player of the year. He got a second foul at the 15 minute mark of the first half. They were missing him those final 15 minutes and they still extended a double digit lead. You know, and Reese coming on, Reese uh, was un, was off the bench. Quinterly was hitting outside shots. If he starts hitting outside shots on a consistent basis, because he's usually a driver dish guy. If he's doing that and the defense has to extend, allowing Quinterly more of those lanes to kick it out to Petty, who finally was starting to hit shots in Shackelford, this team has the ceiling is possibly cutting down the nets at the end of the day in Indianapolis. That's how serious they look. Of course, could they be like Colorado and spend it all in one game? Sure. (laughs) Well, let's ask the question of how can they get to that Final Four? And, John, let me bring you back in. Who wins these two games uh, and and who comes out of this region uh, in the East going forward? I think this is the hardest region to pick, but I'll do my best, Coach. Um, I still think that even without Isaiah Livers, Michigan can get it done. they're scoring over 80 a game. Obviously, Florida State not even allowing 55 a game. So, great test of offense and defense. Oh, yeah. That's going to be fun. Sorry. I still don't think Juwan Howard can outcoach Leonard Hamilton, but I think he has enough talent that he can get the job done. And as one of the few, if not only, Big Ten teams left, he kind of has to. As far as the one on the bottom, um, I, 
I mean, I think it's going to be Alabama just because they looked unbelievable. That game was not as close as the 19-point final margin. And the offense and defense just looks amazing for Coach Oates. So I'll get Michigan up top, Alabama down below. And I really think Alabama can get to the final four. Like, it's Nate Oates, like, has something special going on here. He's got contributors across the board. This is the kind of this is the game I think that if Livers is hurt, that the ruck, luck runs out for the Wolverines. David, you agree with him? Alabama over Michigan? Um, I don't. I don't strongly disagree, but I, I think I'm going to go Florida State over Alabama for my own personal pick. But I, I mean, th- this Alabama team is is really on fire right now. So I I I, I am. When I say I'm picking Florida State, it's a 52-48 pick at okay, most. Uh, Joby, you, I need you to make two tiebreakers then for our consensus well, pick. Michigan, I, Florida State, first of all. My effuse, uh, yeah, you could tell where I'm going on the final game. But Michigan, Florida State is a really tough call. And I'm going to copy David and say 52-48, you know, on the percentages for Florida State and Leonard Hamilton. They made the Elite Eight before. I think they'll do it again, but once again, I think the final four will be elusive for Leonard Hamilton yet again. But these three teams, if Michigan is hitting on all those cylinders, man, it, it's a fun region to watch. And watch UCLA come out. Yeah. Hey, Tyson, quick question. Like, Jawan Howard can't outcoach Leonard Hamilton, but can can Philly man Phil Martelli do it? <laughs> Who doesn't love that? Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. I like that. Good call. Yeah. Let, let, let's slide on. Slide on over here to Region Chaos, aka the Midwest region. Um, I don't even know. I, I get. Well, let's just start at the top here, John. Let me start off with you. Somebody, one of these four teams is going to be the final four. I, I, but uh, let's start off with Loyola Chicago over Georgia Tech, and then what they did to Illinois. Um, we know an Illinois team that was in so many people's national championship game. I am driving the Loyola bandwagon, so you can pencil them in right now. They dismantled the Illini, not just on the scoreboard, but if you watch the game, they seem like two steps ahead of them on both offense and defense and everywhere. It was, like, weird to see the great, arguably the best point guard in America, Ayo Desunmu. He couldn't score. He was turning it over. Coburn had a great game, but, like, that was just one team imposing its will on another team, and I'm driving the Loyola bandwagon. Uh, yeah, and their next opponent, Joby, is Oregon State. Uh, had to win the Pac-12 tournament to get in. Mm-hmm. They take out a Tennessee team that had looked good at times and bad at times. But what they did to Oklahoma State that was um, – I can't it figure that one out. So. The, the, the score, I think, that is very misleading. You know, it's kind of like we talked about Maryland was down 30 at some points against Alabama. Likewise, you know, Oklahoma State was down double digits throughout that entire game. And I just was waiting for Oklahoma State to come back. They're the better team. They've looked better all year. When's this Oregon State magic going to end? It never did. And at some point, you've just got to say, well, maybe Oregon State's pretty good. And, uh, you know, um, and so Oregon State, give them all the credit in the world. I don't think – Oklahoma State, yeah, they didn't play their best game, but come on, you're, it's the tournament. You got to win six to win it all. You're going to have games like this and you got to survive them. They didn't. Good for the Beavers. 
And so the beavers and ducks, are they on a collision course? <laughs> hey, that was, you know, it was the regular season finale between the two teams. And it was an after, it was a footnote type of game. And, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they end up on a exactly. Course, but, and then they play in the Pac-12 tournament again. And you think, oh, you know, that, <sighs> Oregon State wins because it's the in-state thing. And if, if Oregon State were playing, you know, Titel's Arizona on a normal Arizona year, they would have probably gotten killed. But no, Oregon State, you know, yeah, they're the last surviving OSU. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, and uh, David, in the next bracket there, oh. uh, there is a new rule for all brackets. <laughs> yeah. If Syracuse is a bubble team and gets in as an 11 seed, just mm-hmm. th- maybe may put them in the final four, at least put them in the Sweet 16. <laughs> Jim Beheim, a lot of people deny the Syracuse team belong to this field. Here they are in the Sweet 16 after blowing out San Diego State and then getting past West Virginia. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Syracuse might be the best double. They, they might have more wins as a double-digit seed than any program in history. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, 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 yeah, it might be. Who else makes the final four <laughs> consistently? Oh, an 11 seed, yeah. Yeah, but and I don't know where this came. Like, this was a really good San Diego State team, uh, and I realized that we're going back – to last year, but you know, right in the one, two seed range, only lost one or two games, not quite as good this year, but still really, really damn good. This was a team that had lost maybe five games total in two years. I don't have the exact figure, but it wasn't often. And for them to miss out on the NCAA tournament last year, get the, you were happy to see them get there this year, but you kind of hate that what really was an incredible run didn't get to get more of a spotlight on it. And they, they went out so early. You also kind of hate that not only did they go out early, they went out to Syracuse who again is, is making my life miserable, but Syracuse looked very impressive in both of these games, won them both handily. And they tried to give away the West Virginia game. Talk about your misleading finals. They were up, what, with like a minute to go, they were up double digits, and they did everything. They they actually faced a press, and it's like, hey, yeah. I know you guys can run one because as a Virginia fan. Um, <laughs> but my goodness, they will look good. And Buddy Beheim is not on the team just because he's the coach's son. Uh, I'll tell you what, they, they have come up a team that knows how to come back from down double digits late in the game uh, up next, and uh, it was painful. Uh, now, first of all, Rutgers' win over Clemson was amazing. The first NCAA tournament win that I can remember in my lifetime. They won a game in the 80s, uh, but, you know, I you know I was yeah. 10 years old or whatever. But uh, Rutgers, my team, gets in. They beat Clemson in a th- really good game. Uh, and they had Houston most. They they fell down early. They had Houston most of this game here. They did. Then they went. I mean, honestly, I think Steve Pykel is going to learn from this one. He he tried. He got. He started playing scared. They started to slow down the ball. Tried to run the clock with about five minutes left, up nine, and they fell out of their offense. They stopped scoring, and Houston found a way to win the game. And uh, and uh, John, let me guess about this. This Houston team moving on. Uh, th- you know, they are the two seed. They're, they're they by seeding, they're the favorite to win this uh this region, aren't they now? But they're the least impressive, like nine win in one nine game winning streak game I've ever seen. They should have <laughs> lost to Memphis in the regular season finale. They should have lost again to Memphis <laughs> conference tournament, and they should have lost to Rutgers, as you're well aware. They're getting it done, give them the credit, but like I don't think they can stop the Bayheims. Like Syracuse <laughs> just has a special thing going on. 
Joby, I'm ready to pick pick Syracuse, maybe even Syracuse in the Final Four. Where, where no, are you? At, on, you on got it. It's Sister Jean. I mean, Sister I'm probably Jean going Syracuse. It sounds like Titel's similar. Uh, I've got Sister Jean versus Bayheim, and at that point, you know, I don't. I mean, could see either one. It's not like Syracuse can't play slow, which is what Loyola Chicago controls the pace, and that's a big deal. Syracuse can do that too. Uh, and so it gets very interesting. I don't know where I go with it, but I am going to go with Bayheim. But I, I can I can hear the arguments for Loyola real, real easy and even Houston because Houston's the most talented of these teams. Well, John, you already told us you're on the Loyola bandwagon right to the final four, I assume. So David, let me have you cast the tiebreaker there. Loyola, Syracuse, who makes the final four? Well, I, I think Loyola... <sighs> Is I mean, I've just been really impressed with them. Like, I think they look the best against uh, the best teams, uh, particularly Illinois. Yeah. But I also think Syracuse has played really well. And Syracuse has a tendency to be able to really annoy me and annoy a lot of people. I, I think they beat Loyola. And, and all, la- and then Jim Beheim makes fun of Sister Jean on his way out the door just to rub salt into the wound. Uh, so, so we're, I, can't, I mean, we're putting an 11 seed in the Final Four, and I'm not, yes. I'm not upset about it. I'm, I'm not look. I look at these four teams left. I am team, very upset realistic. about it. I mean, I mean, you know, if we if we had picked this last week, we were doing the entire tournament. I would have, I would have said, you guys are nuts putting Syracuse in the Final Four at this point. I, you can't not believe in them. Yeah. To, to probably the two might have been the two best teams of this region, or two out of the three, other than Illinois. But uh, yeah, oh, wow. But no, he will kill Sister Jean because <laughs> that's, that's just nice. what <laughs> yeah. he's not going to kill Sister Jean. <laughs> David, okay, kill you... the spirit of Sister Jean. David. He will make Sister Jean cry. Come on, David. How about talking about Baylor up there instead? Uh, they they are the lone remaining Big Twelve team. Uh, they took care of Hartford easily. They, you know, I don't think they really struggled too bad with Wisconsin even. No, they didn't. Um, and again, the number two overall seed and looking like it, one of the few teams where the chalk hold and they played as expected. Uh, they're facing a Villanova team that I would have been uh, really surprised by. I didn't think they'd get by Winthrop. They were sort of limping down the end of the stretch, especially like after the injury to Cunningham. And it, did I say that right? And not being at full strength, Gillespie. but they. I think you're talking about College Gillespie. I don't know who. It, Gillespie, Gillespie. Gillespie, yeah. Hey, Gillespie. Randall Cunningham. Well, Randall Cunningham is also injured, and I think that has impacted Villanova, uh, even if it had. But anyway, the, okay, Gillespie. Thank you. Um, but they've looked really good in both their wins. They, I, I didn't expect them to get by Winthrop, and I didn't think they'd get by North Texas, and they, they really handled them. I think North Texas went seemingly 10 minutes without scoring and then never caught back up. So I've been impressed with Nova, but I think Baylor wins. I don't know if a blowout, but handily, I don't think they sweat too much. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Joby, let's, let's talk about that, that Villanova and, and the North Texas went over Purdue in overtime. Yeah. Uh, just, oh, it was outstanding. Yeah. You saw this in, in the conference USA final, the North Texas pull off something similar. And so when it came down to that point, when it went to OT, which, you know, North Texas had the final shot. Uh, um, when it went to OT and North Texas got up, I said, you know what? They've been here. I don't know if Purdue really has been here. And it's one of those situations. You hear the commentators say, talk about, I think it's true. 
But in those situations, the higher seed is the one that gets tight. The higher seeds that we're supposed to be here. Early in the game, it's maybe the lower seed, but late in the game and in overtime, the higher seed and Purdue got tight and North Texas took advantage of their opportunities. They had some circus shots go in. Fair enough. Yeah, they did. But the fact of the matter is they took I, – I felt once they had that lead, that double basket lead, you know, I think it, they got up to five. I think they got a two and a three. Once they got that five-point lead with three minutes to go, it was theirs for the taking. And to their credit, they took it. Yeah, real impressive showing for the mean green. And I, I think, I, I, again, I, I can't remember names or specific facts, but I believe this is five times in the last six tournaments we've seen a Conference USA team in the round of 32. Yeah, Conference USA has done really well in the first round of last several I will say they yeah. ran out of gas from that overtime game. Yeah, they had nothing. I, 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 yeah. hate, I hate all credit to Villanova, but I was ridiculous. I was definitely – more disappointed in Winthrop than impressed by Villanova in the first game. I was in shock how bad Winthrop played. Uh, for those yeah, I was know, too. Winthrop did not deliver, and I thought they would deliver. I was really – I mean, every one of my brackets, that's a 12-5 I'm picking, you know. Yeah. Uh, and good for Villanova. They took care of business. I think they got a tired North Texas team two days later, and – Good for Villanova. They took care of business. A lot of teams had did not. Texas, Virginia, et cetera. So give Villanova credit where credit's due. But I think we are hinting where we're all going to be picking. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, let's go down here. And, and, John, let me bring you back in here because I think one of the best matchups of the second round ended up being uh, both on paper and I think in the game itself, too, was this Texas Tech-Arkansas. It was a that was a true second-round heavyweight battle. We didn't get very many of those. And I still don't understand how the Razorbacks pulled it out. So if I told you that you got Chris Beard on the sideline, his team makes 10 of 23s and only allows four of 17 from behind the arc to Arkansas. He makes as many free throws as them. He out-rebounds them. He has the same amount of turnovers. Arkansas had one block and zero steals. You'd have thought Texas Tech won by 25. Yeah. I still don't know how he did it, but he did it. Points off turnovers. Points it, off turnovers. It, it yeah. was, and, and just so impressed with this Arkansas team, the way they've been playing, you know, since the middle of January, maybe all season, honestly, but they've yeah. just been beating, they've been beating good teams, and, you know, uh, and there they are. They're in the Sweet 16, and they get the unlikeliest of opponents in oh, maybe ever, um, you know, at, yeah. least, at least tying uh, Andy Enfield's Florida Gulf Coast team. Uh, that interestingly, uh, that Florida Gulf Coast team, when they made the Sweet 16, it was Florida that they played and they lost to in the Sweet 16. It was Oral yeah. Roberts following David in an upset of Ohio State in overtime, then gets Florida by three points in this in the second round, who had just come off of Vatech overtime. When th- th- that pod there was was you know you can watch those games ten times and, and enjoy them every ten times every time you watch them. Uh, yeah, you really could, and this is exciting for Oral Roberts uh, for sure. But I, I th- the Florida Gulf Coast team uh, was pretty good. I, I want to say that like. Mercer was the best team in the Atlantic Sun that that year, and it was a little bit of a surprise that Florida Gulf Coast knocked them off and then continued to knock teams off. But this Oral Roberts team, going back to the semifinals of the Summit Tournament, was a four seed taking on South Dakota State. I was surprised then. I am dumbstruck now. Like, their last four games have been 
won by two points, three points, three points, and three points. And I think is it at least one went in the overtime. Did one of the Summit games go in overtime? No, the Summit games didn't, but I don't believe okay. they did. I don't believe they did. I'd have to double check on that. But they, I mean, obviously, yeah. had, had the overtime win over Ohio State. And, and first time a 15 seed ever won an overtime opening round game. They, they've won opening yeah. round Yeah, and overtime. they do have good shooters. I know Rocco's been high on this team, but like, you know, we, we actually kind of followed them throughout the season, and at no point – this is preposterous. It wasn't – when we've seen 14 and 15 seeds go on runs before, they've shown signs of it because the Florida Gulf Coast team was good. Now, they didn't really get their transition game going the way they did in the NCAA tournament. Dunk City didn't really happen in the first 16 weeks of the season. But at no point did it look like Oral Roberts could win the summit, much less get to the Sweet 16. There they are, John. Yeah. They, they don't have a shot against Arkansas, do they? They do, but not because of the reason you think. It's not going to be because Max A. Smith scores 35 or Kevin O'Banner scores 35. It's going to be because they have a coach in Paul Mills who not only has like the great coaching pedigree and worked for uh, Scott Drew at Baylor, he's probably the only coach I've ever heard of with a master's in biblical and theological studies. So as much as you want to give Sister Jean credit, there's some religion going on in Oral Roberts. Are you going to take him? I'm not, but like... <laughs> okay. He's on a mission from Gad. <laughs> I won't. I will not take him. Uh, uh, Joby, uh, it's going to be Baylor versus Arkansas then. I uh, yeah, we, we yeah. all agree on that. But no, would, I, I will say, you know, if that was to uh, Richie McKay, you know, at Liberty is just getting no shift, you know, yeah, just not advancing this year. I'm so sad, but uh, yeah, Baylor, Arkansas, and this is the Baylor team. The old Southwest rivalry. Yeah. This is the Baylor team that we kind of forgot about and they're back. They're back. (laughs) And I I think that they are going to have a lot of fun uh, going a long way. Baylor it is. David, do you think they can beat Arkansas also? Yeah, but I really like this Arkansas team. I, I am not enough to be Baylor. Six. You like them, but you don't like them better than Baylor. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. The question um, is, does Baylor play Houston? Baylor just reinventing the Southwest Conference here. <laughs> and like if you followed the Southwest Conference in basketball, Texas did what they did in the Southwest Conference, which was stink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a black and blue league. Well, let's take a look at our potential final four now from what we're calling based on where we are at this point, a little different than where we were a week ago and when we had Illinois in there and we had, uh, uh, but uh, Tito, let me start with you. Gonzaga, Alabama, who would you take in that game? It's going to be a fantastic game to watch with those offenses. Uh, I take the Zags just because I think the current count is that they've won 51 to 52. Like they're just that good. David, who would you take in Baylor, Syracuse? Um, probably Baylor. I, I I think they finally put us out of the misery that is Syracuse. Uh, Joby, I this is this was my championship game heading into the tournament. I, these were all season we were saying, yeah, Zags and the Baylor. Let's just try this is put them in the championship game, especially after the regular season game didn't happen. If it happens, who would win it? You know, I think it'll be. I, I think it is going to be so neat that the team that finally brings home that undefeated 1976 thing doesn't have 
doesn't start with D for Duke or N for North Carolina or K for Kentucky. I am actually excited that we've got a real shot. And what I think, if I had to pick, I think is going to happen. We are going to see an undefeated champion, but that, but they will not have with what we see Alabama, if they are on their A game and Baylor, that will not be a automatic easy hill to climb. I just think that Gonzaga is built to do it. Yeah, and that was, was it 76 that, that Indiana did it undefeated? Yeah. Yes. Uh, interestingly, last time Kentucky and Duke both missed the NCAA tournament the same year, 1976. Ooh, that is interesting. Just saying something here. You yeah. leave Kentucky Duke out, someone goes undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on that note, uh, real quick, I want to take a look take a look before we go to any other final thoughts here. I want to take a look. Uh, there's a couple other tournaments going on. The CBI is going on, uh, you know, for the extent anybody cares about it. Uh, <laughs> Cliff Ellis has his Coastal Carolina team in the championship game tomorrow night. It looks like they're probably going to be playing Pepperdine, who's finishing off Bellarmine as we record this. Mm-hmm. Uh, NIT is also going on. Uh, pull, that, pull that bracket up on the screen here. They only played one round so far. Uh, Tytel, have you been watching and do you have a pick here to win this thing? What's left? I have been so busy with the other tournament. I have not given this the due it's deserve. Um, it doesn't deserve much. So. Yeah. <laughs> You've done exactly what you should do. I have um, seen two games. You've got an all-CUSA game there in Western Kentucky La Tech. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that's a good love, one. Uh, the Hilltoppers and Bassey, so if I have to pick one, I'll go with Western Kentucky. You go Western Kentucky to win this thing? Sure. All right. All right. Yeah, but that's it. It is come pick it up again Thursday night. There won't be any NCAA Thursday night. So, uh Anybody that's looking for something to watch, uh, we watch will it, be watching. Watch, watch some NIT Thursday, and then yep. the games I believe are early on Saturday and Sunday before before yeah. the NCAA game starts. So yeah, nice little, little appetizer, yeah. little appetizer heading into the NCAA games. You can watch these games. Uh, there's going to be a third place game for the first time in years in this tournament, also. But that's kind of it. Let me put the other bracket back up. Let's actually pull this down here, actually, and run through each of you for any other final thought you have on everything we've seen so far in the tournament and what's to come here uh, for the next week. Joby, let me start with you. Well, I mean, what a tournament we've seen so far. Uh, those highest seeds, all of those things coming along. Um, one thing that I will point out to our Illinois and our Ohio State, uh, but particularly Ohio State, Uh, As someone who's been one of the victims of those 10, 15, 16 losses, and Titel's team has also uh, done this. One thing that has happened in the near future after each of those, it's most well-known with Virginia, but also Arizona just a few years later, a national title came calling. Would anyone be shocked if Chris Holtzman, two, three years, maybe even next year down the road, We're cutting down the nets. I would not. That team is built, built to be strong long-term. I think, I think Ohio state is a team actually to watch, especially if they handle this loss right now and address it and use it as fuel, watch out because they could be a team to, uh, they could be a team on, on a mission next year. I think we also got to got to watch out for Indiana in the future, though, you know, because they are going to hire Nate Oates away from Alabama because Alabama does, doesn't have enough money to keep yeah. him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. never mind on that. <laughs> uh, but, but in all seriousness, uh, John, any other final thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm still waiting for the AC8 bracket update. But in the meantime, uh, we're I working think on that, it. <laughs> uh, 
player that caught my eye, ironically, is no longer uh, in the tournament. Uh, Cameron Thomas of LSU, uh, first, excuse me, third player in the last forty-something years to score twenty-five or more in each of his first two tournament games as a freshman. The other two, a couple guys named Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson. I still can't figure out Thomas's game. He doesn't and Fly Williams, pass. John. And Fly Williams. That's he's the fourth. Uh, past the forty years, but yes. Um, I can't figure out his game in terms of he doesn't rebound or pass or play defense, but he's a pure scorer. And those guys are succeeding in the NBA as we speak, so I think he will too. It's just such a pleasure to watch a guy who all he does is score, but he does it better than anybody. I'll tell you what, David, before I go to you, I, I just I want to give a shout out here. Actually, I mentioned him already very briefly to Cliff Ellis over at Coastal Carolina. Uh, he tonight with his win in the CBI, he tied Adolph Rupp for wins, all time career wins. He is number five in active coaches career wins behind Coach K, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, uh, Bob Huggins, and then Cliff Ellis. You kind of forget about him has had an amazing career and might be getting himself a championship tomorrow night, albeit a fairly minor one. Uh, but yeah. David, you want to finish off the show? Yeah, and I realize, Titel, you might have to dip out. Uh, so if you do, uh, thanks for being on. But uh, a couple things, a couple final thoughts. One is, like, how tumultuous the NCAA tournament has been. I can't help but think that it was in part due to us not having the full th regular season and the full slate of out-of-conference games. Everyone is kind of surprised at how badly the Big Ten performed after looking so good all year. But – hindsight's 2020 and now when you look at it through the 2020 vision you see that they really didn't do anything impressive out of conference either i think chad had a tweet that had me rolling which was you, you know they had it just as many wins in the ncaa tournament as they did in out of conference just, just games. quality wins in the yeah. NCAA tournament is quality non-conference right. and that was true so like in a normal season when you play the full 13 out of conference games would the metrics have been that high um, and also would teams like Loyola had not, maybe they would have been seated a little better had they taken on a few, had they had a few more shots at heavyweights and maybe take one of them down. So while part of it has just been an incredibly exciting tournament, I, I think that part of the ingredient that's led to it is that it's just that we didn't get the full season and it was a little bit harder to measure how good the teams actually were throughout the selection and seeding process. Uh, my second thought is, I, I don't know how it is that Gonzaga has this reputation of a team that chokes in March. Like they always, they always lose in the NCAA. Well, everybody always loses in the NCAA tournament, but one team, this is their sixth straight sweet 16. No one in the, no one in the current sweet 16 has been the six in a row. If they win their next game, which it looks like they probably will, it will be their fourth Elite Eight in six years. And they also have, in that six-year span, a national runner-up national championship game appearance. Uh, it, I, how does a team do all that and continue to have a reputation of a team that always blows it in March? Well, they gotta, they got to cut down the nets once to do it. And I think they're going to yeah. do it in two weeks from now, so... Yeah, but and like, what's crazy, David, is you're exactly right. In that streak of Sweet 16s, only teams known as UCLA, <laughs> North Carolina, and Duke have not even Kentucky have accomplished that. That's yeah, that yeah. that's that's just now UCLA did it like three times, but yes. I'll tell you what, on that note, actually, David, just, just one more quick thought I want to run here is I see people out there that are criticizing 
the seeding of teams based on the results of the tournament. You can't do that. No, you cannot. I it, agree with you. Can't say that Loyola was shouldn't have been better than an eight seed because they beat Illinois. That's not how you do things. I think that, that they were an eight seed. Most bracketologists had them right around there. But putting that aside, uh, we will be back next week on Wednesday. The games go through Tuesday night, so we'll be recording next week. Wednesday night, we'll be doing our final four preview show. Uh, but on behalf of Joby Fortson, John Titel, and David Griggs, I'm Chad Sherwood. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again real soon.